0: Who's got your Bible this morning? Yes, Amen. We need to, we haven't done this in a while, so we need to make a good confession this morning. Yep. Hold your Bible up. Say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I, have I, have. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I, can do what it says. I, boldly, confess I boldly confess I'll be taught the word of God today. My mind, My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. Heart is receptive. I'll, never I'll never be the same. Now, shout it out never, never, never. never, never, never. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. See, if you get that settled in your heart, then everything else is in line and in perspective. Well, you know, I'm facing this, but God's word says this. Well, God's word is the final authority. You make it final authority, everything else. Falls in line. The problem is, the problem is, is a lot, with a lot of people, the word is just kind of like, it's kind of in the midst of everything else. You know, it's in the midst of poetry and this and, and who knows what. But the word is final authority. I want you to look over Revelation chapter 3 this morning. Revelation 3 for a text, verse 20. Actually, verse 15, I wrote the wrong. Revelation 3 and verse 15. He says, I know your works. Now, this is Jesus talking. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. How many believe what Jesus said? Jesus would rather we be cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Who's ever had like some cold coffee and you just like spit it out? Something lukewarm or it could be coffee or any other drink. It's like, ugh. I mean, some people like cold coffee or, or I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, really cold, not just, not just a little bit less than ideal. Well, that's what the Lord says. He said, I would rather you would be hot or cold. Because at least then you know where the person stands. Yeah. See, what happens when you're lukewarm, you're just kind of, you know, straddling the fence. You're just kind of like one foot in, one foot out. But God wants us to be burning hot today. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So one of the things, even like today, it's going to be hot today. It already is hot today. But the thing that we need to look at in our spiritual life is what is our temperature, spiritually speaking? What's the temperature of our heart today? That's something you have to monitor for yourself. What is the temperature of my heart today? Am, Am I on fire? Am I cold? Or am I just lukewarm? Am I just kind of a, you know, I'm just wishy-washy? Or I'm just, I'm not fully in, but I'm just. And so we have to check our temperature on a daily basis. Just like when people are sick, what do we do? You check for the chills. You check to see if people are, have a fever. Spiritually, we have to do the same thing. And spiritually speaking, there's only one good temperature. When you boil it down, and that's being hot, that's being on fire. So I want to ask you today, as the title of my message, what is your temperature? What is your temperature today? When it comes to the things of God, we have to be all in. I like one minister. He said it like this: being full on, full on for God. I mean, the throttle is pushed all the way forward. Who, who likes to drive maybe an ATV or some something like that and you like the throttle all the way to the max? <laughs> I mean, don't just leave it at 60%. You just go full throttle and go all the way. Well, that's the way it's got to be with the things of God. Not a day to be lax anymore. In the day that we live, I mean, we know that we are in the last of the last days. So we don't want to have any bit of laxness. We don't want to have anything. One thing about it, you know a fly never stands on a hot plate? Have you ever you ever had flies in your kitchen and you had the oven on? One thing's for sure, they're not on the the top of the the range or the the or or the oven, you know, on the stovetop. Why? Because they're not going to they're not going to stand there. They can't stand there. No demon sits on top of you when you have the fire burning. <laughs> you know, when you got the fire burning, Boy, that's just, it's just like the light. We were talking about the light earlier. When you turn on the light, what happens? Now, you don't have it here, but in the south, there goes the bugs, the cockroaches, and Miss Sharon knows about those. They're they're like really big, you know. What happens? They go scurrying every which way, every direction. And all the other scorpions and and whatever. Well, see, that's what the devils do. You know, when when you just... Well, if you're cold, they can just sit right next to you and, and be a, a good pal of yours, you know, and, and, and just be a, a, a spiritual hitchhiker. Just, you know, hitch a ride with you and just, just go with you all these different places. But when you start him having the fire on you, what happens? Oh, it gets a little, gets a little hot in the kitchen. It gets a little hot under the collar, doesn't it? But see, that's what our life is supposed to be. I want you to keep reading here. Notice what Jesus said. Now, we know that this is actual churches that existed back during that time in Asia Minor that Jesus was speaking to. We have seven letters to seven different churches. Here's what he says in verse 17 Because you say, I am rich and an increased with goods and have need of nothing. What do a lot of people say? Hey, won't you come out to church with me? I'm good. I'm good. Um. wrong people say I'm good he, I have need of nothing I don't need anything we, we've, we've seen that people get blessed and God take them from a place to get blessed and what happens they become a saint elsewhere yeah here's what and this is what usually happens you'll see, you'll see people on fire and this, this has nothing to do with anybody here today so I'm not looking at anybody I'm not thinking of anybody, but I'm just saying this is just with people can be on fire. This is the church worldwide. People can be on fire. What happens? They're on the front row. Then they go to the second row. Then the last row. Then out the door. Amen. So we're not talking about anybody here because we know we know Melvin, he's securing that back row for us. So we we know that he's 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 all in. We know that. <laughs> But that's what happens. Yeah, just, yes. <laughs> but here's what he, he goes on to say. and He said, and you don't know that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Verse 19, as many as I love, I let them do whatever they want. <laughs> as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now, who, whose words are these? Who has a, let, a red letter edition? We know that's Jesus speaking. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now, who likes to be rebuked? Who likes to be chastened? No one. I'll, I'll go ahead and answer that for you. No one likes it. <laughs> the, the writer of Hebrews says that, that no no chastening seems joyous for this present time. But afterward, it's going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So it may be hurting right now. Sometimes your flesh can hurt. Yeah. And, and what happens is your flesh hurts. And a lot of times more than that is your pride that gets hurt. And, and when that gets hurt, and how many know our pride needs to be hurt? It needs to die. It needs to be killed. And so what happens, though, is after that, though, if we yield to that, we have fruit of righteousness. So if I know that, hey, okay, this is going to hurt a little bit. It's like if you're working out. Okay, I know this is going to be hurt. I know if I'm working my legs really hard, I know not only today, but I know tomorrow and even the third day is going to hurt. I did that one time, and I couldn't even walk down the steps, and I just was going down the like that down my town home. You know ahead of time, but what's it going to yield? It's going to yield growth. It's going to yield you advancing. So me putting my flesh under and crucifying the flesh, it's going to hurt the flesh, but it's good for you. So he says here, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. See, repentance, people need to get a better idea. Repentance is actually a gift. You can't even repent unless you have grace. God gives us the grace to repent. But you know what repentance really is? It's the way out. It's the way out. Do you remember the Bible? I believe it's like Luke chapter 13. The Bible talks about, Jesus said, talking about the one tower, this tower of Siloam fell, and I believe it was like 17 people, that it said that they, this tower fell on them. It said, were they worse sinners than the others? Because this happened? Isn't that what a lot of people think? Well, man, they must have really been bad because this happened. He said, no. He said, I tell you, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Yep. So what's, the, what's Jesus saying? The way out is repentance. Yep. Repentance is the way out. Aren't you glad that there's a way out of being judged? Yeah. It's called judging yourself. I love to judge myself because I would rather judge me than the Lord judge me. What do a lot of people say? Well, you know, the Lord's my my judge. People say that, you know, real arrogantly. Well, God's my judge. Well, you better hope that you judge yourself because you don't want you don't want God to judge you, because then he has to chasten you. And and when God, it's one thing when God takes a hold of you. Now, he doesn't do it with sickness and disease. He chastens us with his word. But it's much pleasant, more pleasant if we judge ourselves. What does that mean? When I judge myself, I look at it and say, because what, here's what most believers do and most people worldwide. They have mercy on themselves and they're ruthless with other people. But you need to have mercy to other people and be very forthright with yourself. No, you're, you're not going to act like that, Will. You're not going to do that. No, you, you get a hold of yourself. God, God's been too good for you, to you, for you to be upset. God's been too good to you to, to get down about that. No, you just need to shout the victory. Hallelujah. And so notice he says here, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So when I repent, that means I change my mind and my purpose Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. So we have to open the door, don't we? And I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. That means he's going to come in and, and, and celebrate. He's going to come in and have a meal with us. Where do you think that word supper came from? I'm going to sup. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have fellowship with you. Yeah. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in His throne. You know, when you study the Bible, the Bible talks about different crowns that we can get: a soul winner's crown, a martyr's crown. There's the crown for those that overcome. Yeah. Who's ever overcome something in their life? Yeah. Maybe it was a habit. Maybe it was sin. Maybe it was. Something that plagued you. What, maybe it was a, a sickness. Maybe it was something that you just stood and you, you fought and you won. Yeah. The Bible says that you're going to have a crown for that. An overcoming crown. Hallelujah. And so he says, I'm, to him that overcomes, I'm going to grant a sit with me in my throne. Now, we're, we're not talking about just a Burger King throne. We're talking about being seated in God's kingdom. Even as I also overcame and a sat down with my Father in his throne. Hallelujah. So, the day we live in, we don't want to be cold. We don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be on hot. Now, when we say this, just keep your eyes forward because this is not about me judging another person or me judging you or you judging another person. This is us judging ourselves and saying, Lord, it's me only in the need of prayer. It's me, Lord, that needs to change. You know, a lot of times in churches, people say, boy, I wish brother so-and-so was here. They need to hear this. I wish sister so-and-so. No, God knows that you're here right now and that you need to hear it. <laughs> he, knew, he knew who was going to be here today. And so just like spiritual growth, you know, people are in different stages in their life. We all have different light. People that have been walking with the Lord longer than me, they, they're going to have much more light. But I'm thankful for the light I have. So that means I can't judge another person for what they do or don't know. It's like if I went and started working in the oil field, I know about that much, you know, about what, what you have to do. So people could say, man, what, this guy's worthless. He's Get him out of here. But it's just I don't have light. I don't have knowledge about it. The same thing with with any light that we have. People may have a light that someone else doesn't have, so you don't judge them, oh, why are they doing that? Well, they may not have light on that yet. You just let the Lord deal with them on that. Amen, that's why you just love people. Love people, just let the Lord deal with people. But, even though we all in life are in different places there's one thing that we all need to have and that's what the Bible says being fervent in spirit being fervent in spirit I didn't write this reference down but the Bible talks about <clears throat> different ones that worked with Paul and it said about them that they were fervent in spirit we're talking about teachers this this teacher that followed Paul and and that would go after Paul being fervent in the spirit. We all need to be fervent in spirit. Look over in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And let's read in verse 11. Well, as I like to do, let's backtrack a little bit. Verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So, what are we supposed to be as, as believers? We are supposed to be fervent in spirit. Now, the Amplified Classic says it like this. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. So what is, what is my life supposed to look like? And like I said, it's not for me to judge another person. Well, you need to come up and rise up to my level of fervency. You know, it's not about that. I have to judge myself and and know that, hey, my life is according to this book. My life is according to this word. And we have to be fervent, like the Bible says, in spirit. Now, what does this word fervent mean? One of the, the best definitions I like is to reach the boiling point. To reach the boiling point. So I have to ask myself this question. Is my life to the boiling point? Is my walk with the Lord fervent today? Something I ask myself. Is it to the boiling point? So what what does what does my prayer life look like? Is it just quesera? Whatever will be, will be. Lord, we're just gathered here today and just you know, what does my, my prayer life sound like? Father God, we just hear Father God to Father God. And, and Lord, we're just here to, to worship you, Father God. And, and every person, Father God, in Jesus' name, Father God. You know, it just, people, people get in religious ways that they pray. What does my prayer life look like? Is there fervency? Is there life? You know, every person likes a person that's a live wire. Even if they're a little eccentric sometimes, people can, <laughs> people would rather have a, a live one. Hey, we have a live one here. At, le- at least, at least, you know, let's have some life. Even if people can be overboard, at least let's have some life. Even if people, you know, sometimes, even if people, you know, they, they put their foot in their mouth, disease. Even if there's all kind of things like that, at least if someone that's alive, People like that, don't they? So what is, what is my prayer life? What is my walk with the Lord? What does my worship look like? <laughs> Just time for self-meditation um, here and self-evaluation. What, is, what does my giving look like? See, only I can answer that for myself. What does my serving look like? You know, actually, we are actually saved to serve. We're not just saved to sit. We're saved to serve. And I'm not saying this as the pastor of the church. I'm saying this as a believer. This year is 30 years that I've been walking with the Lord. And I pray I have more fruit today than I ever have. And I know I do by the grace of God. But what I'm doing now is serving. We're just, we're serving up a, a, a six-course meal right now. You know, we served you some of the worship, you know, it was the first course. Serve you a little bit of um, some other things. Right now we're serving the, you know, we have some hors d'oeuvres in there too. And so now we're just serving the main meal, giving you your, your spiritual meat. Hallelujah. Maybe a little milk in there too for some. And so all these different things we have to look at. What is my life? What is the, am I to the boiling point in my life? Now, a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's just not my personality. You know, I'm just, that's not the way I am. But if we went over and and put your finger in a socket, suddenly your bashfulness would go away. (laughs) Why? Because you would get a hold of some life, a live wire. Who's ever been shocked before? (laughs) And so every one of us can have a passion to serve the Lord. Sunday should be the most exciting day of the week for us. Why? Because we come in, we come in to celebrate, oh boy, Uh, I'm going to the house of the Lord today, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go into the house of the Lord. Why? Hey, I, I'm going to get some spiritual equipment today. I'm getting some, some new weapons today. And um, oh, boy, I'm getting tanked up, and I'm just going to get filled up today. And, you know, that, that's what it's supposed to be about. You, you, as a believer, you don't want to come in here at zero. Then we have to get the defil out and make sure you're still alive. But you, you want to be in a place where you've been giving, and so you need to... You've been pouring out to other people. You need to take back in the day, and uh, you know it should just be like a top off. You ever, you ever go to the gas station and you you you've been uh, filling your tank for like two minutes, and then somebody's in and out. They just put like thirty cents in there or something. You know, they just they're topping it off. Well, see, when we come in here, we should be so full. We just have like one one drink of the Holy Ghost, and we're just like over the edge. <laughs> Paul said, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled. That, that word in the Greek is continuous action, but be being filled. What does that mean? Continuous action. I'm going to be being filled today. Yeah. What, what, you know, you look at somebody and say, but what's going on? I'm be being filled. Pastor, I'm being, I'm being filled and be being filled on a continuous basis. Thank you, Lord. And so one of the things, though, that we have to realize, yes, it's about us judging ourselves, but it's also about the, allowing the Lord to do his work in our life. Yeah. It's about allowing the Lord to do a work personally in my life, that I'm not going to be distracted about what's on my left, what's on my right, who's in front, who's in back. You know, we're only in here for a couple of hours a week yeah. on, well, on Sunday morning. That's yeah. not long. I know some places have two or three services in that amount of time. But that's just, that's what we do. And, and maybe we need to extend it sometime. But we come in, that's what we feel led. People need to be touched. They need to press in. Yes. Not be thinking about, you know, their hamburger steak they're going to have later. But just come in and say, God, I need more today. Yes. I need more. Lord, I, I need to be filled up today. Lord, I just need an overflow I need my cup to be refilled. You know, some people come to church and they don't even have a cup. Maybe it got stolen at the last place they were at. But God will give you a new cup today and he'll fill it up. He'll fill it to overflowing. Let me ask you something. Do you know when you're overflowing? Now, this this definitely is not going to be a trick question. Have you ever been at work and and you have cookies and and different things and you have some uh, beverages there? Has anyone ever poured, and especially if it's carbonated, and, you know, you fill it up too high, and then it just what? It overflows. Isn't that obvious when that happens? Well, no, it's it's a real mystery. No, you know when it's full. You know when it's overflowing. Do you know when you're overflowing spiritually? What happens? You begin, it begins to bubble up. Actually, the word prophesy means to bubble forth, to tumble forth, to to come forth. You know, when you give a word of God, it needs to be bubbling forth. It doesn't just need to be dry as, you know, dry as last year's bird nest. I mean, we have some bird nests they've, they've used for three years underneath our deck. I don't even touch them. I mean, we had this one globe on our, my wife bought and it's it's hanging up, and I don't even know how they got in that thing. Three, it's like eighty percent just wood and chips, and birds go in there and they have families and <laughs> and duplicate. And <laughs> but see, that's not the way. I, we're not supposed to be just dry. I mean, we're supposed to be a reservoir. I'm talking about being full. Can you tell if somebody's full? You know, spiritual health is just as discernible as physical health. There was a, a story about this one missionary. He had been on the. Um, he came off the field, and um, you know he needed a little R and R, and coming back and came to be refreshed. Well, he came and he saw the pastor, and the first thing he said is, "What's wrong?" He says, "You're not up to par spiritually." He asked the pastor that. The pastor was kind of backpedaling. Then he said, um, Well, you know, I'm, no, nothing's wrong. Well, finally, he had to c- confess to the pastor. He said, I mean, the pastor had to confess to the, the missionary and said, You asked me about how I was doing. He said, He said, 18 months ago, he said, another pastor came in to town and uh, started another work. And, uh, took some of my people, that's what he said. And he said, oh, really? He said, where is he? And he said, he was like way on the other side of town. He said, well, well, um, how many is he running? He said, sad to say he's running 10 more than we are. And, uh, well, he said, how many are you running since this guy's been here? He said, he's running more than he did before the other guy. And so he said, he said, instead of getting mad, he said, you need to rejoice and pray God would send people on the east side of town, on the west side of town. And what happened is he let that thing fester in his spirit to where it was bothering him. You know, any kind of unforgiveness is going to cause that to be a blockage in you being fervent in the spirit. You can't be fervent in the spirit and, and to the boiling point if you have a little bird nest of, of, of um, you know, unforgiveness and all these little things, it's, it's going to choke the life out. Can you say amen or oh me or something? <laughs> so what we have to do is say, Lord, do a work in my heart. Yes. We have to examine ourselves. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Not me examine someone else. Yes. Me examine myself. Am I in the faith? Am I doing, am I walking in faith? Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're talking about being fervent in the spirit. Your passion in life follows what you put your mind on. Your passion follows what you put your mind on. Your passion follows your attention. You know, people think of that in the flip side. They think, yeah, no, my attention follows what my passion is. But no. Truthfully, your passion follows what it follows what you have your attention on. Who likes to play golf? Or you know golf or any other thing that we can do in the summer months around here, well you know people put their clubs away, and like me, I played last year one time. It had been four years since I'd played, and I'd I'd been wanting to get out there. What happens? You get out there and you think, man, this is good. This is fun, and it's one sport that I can enjoy even if I'm not that good. And you know people need that kind of thing. I heard a, a real famous uh, personality. He was talking about when. This one time he said that you need to have things in your life that it's okay if you're not winning. It's okay if you don't, like, score 100%. It's like me going bowling. I could could bowl a 61 and I'd be happy. I'd still, if I hit a, you know, if if I guttered a few of them, I'd still be okay if I had a couple of strikes. It's like, yeah, I'll come out next time. Yeah, let's do it again. (laughs) Same thing with Golf. What happens though? You begin to, to put your attention on it. What happens? Oh, man. And then you say, I, I got to buy this. I got to buy me some shoes. You start getting in the fever of it. Wherever you put your attention, your passion starts to follow. Yes. It can work for the negative as well as the positive. People begin going and, 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 you know, it doesn't matter what it is. People looking at wrong things. People getting involved with the wrong people. What happens? People that never intended to be a certain person, they're not just talking about the wrong crowd. They are the wrong crowd. (laughs) And so what happens is the the people that you hang around, you become like. And so watch watch your associations. So your passion follows what you put your mind on. I want you to look over in Colossians chapter 3. That's why the Bible says that where your treasure is, there's going to be your heart as well. Whatever the treasure that you have in your life, that's where your heart's going to be. Colossians 3 says this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, another word for that is actually mind. Many Bibles, you, you look in the, um, the reference number there, it says mind. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is here with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things saith the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walk sometime, when you lived in them. But now you also put off. So what do we do? We put off all these things. We put it away from us. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication in our mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing we put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. So every day we have an opportunity to put off the old Put on the new man. Put on the new man. And the things, I've said this many times, the things that we feed will grow in our life. You know, desire is a lot like a stray cat. Who's ever seen a stray cat? And, you know, you've never seen this cat before. And you say, okay, okay, kitty. Now I'm going to give you some of this gourmet cat food. But you can't stay. I mean, know that's not going to work. You know, you you buy the, buy the cat a nice little chew toy, and you you know uh, they have all their stuff, and you give them a little bed and everything. And you, kitty, you can't stay. And then the next day, you give them some more gourmet cat food. That is your cat. That's just like desire. Desire comes around like a stray cat. What do you do if you don't want that thing to grow or to stay? You starve it. You don't feed it. So when things come, when wrong desires, no matter what they are, you begin to starve them. And what's going to happen? They're going to die. They're going to get weaker and weaker. And and here's the, the beautiful thing about it. Put something that's stronger than that in its place. Like if I don't want to eat, you know, if now I enjoy some things, you know, you enjoy certain things once in a while, but You can't live on ice cream and candy bars, can you? And be strong in your body. So what do you do? You replace it with good food. And sometimes you need the spinach and the broccoli. So you replace the the other. As you begin to feed your spirit, as you get stronger spiritually, it pushes out the old. And so whatever in life that you water is going to grow. Reading your Bible and listening to good word of God Teaching will feed your spirit and water your life. I want you to look over, or you can just listen. I'm going to turn over to 1 Corinthians 3. You change your desires in life by what you feed on. Have you ever eaten a food that you really didn't care for, but then you just, man, I kind of like this after all. Don't just let your, your your taste buds tell you. You tell them. I heard a minister say that one time. He said, he began to just say it over himself and say, if it's good for me, I like it. If it's good for me, I like it. If it's not, then, then I don't. You know the same thing can happen with the will of God for your life? Well, I'm, I'll never do that. And then the Lord says, you know what? I want you to do that thing. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes, Lord. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and then the Lord, you, you, you say, you know what? This has been my desire all my life. You know, I want to do this. And the, the Lord said, that's not what I have for you. Okay, Lord. All right. You, you just make that decision. That's why Jesus says, I will to do your will, O God. He that wills to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it's of God or not. John chapter 7. So you begin to change your desires by what you feed on. Look at 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So if if you're teaching someone something for the first time, you're planting the seed. If it's something you've already heard, then you're just having that seed watered. We need watering on a daily basis. But God, He gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that gives increase. So, I mean, as we see people were saying, hey, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollo's. It doesn't matter what label we put on ourselves. You know, you know, people used to say that all the time. Oh, that person there, I mean, I went to, to Rainbow Bible Training Center, and people say, oh, they're just a Haganite. Oh, they're just a Copelandite. They're just, no, I'm just Word of God. Amen. I, I'm just a believer in Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't need all the labels. I don't, I don't need any of that. Right. I'm a believer. That's the only thing that matters. Do you believe in Him? Yeah. I'm of this. I'm of that affiliation. Well, you know, you can put any kind of label on something that doesn't make it anything. You know, you sitting in a, in a garage doesn't make you an automobile. But notice here he says, Now he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Other translations say this, You are God's garden. So many works of God... They haven't been sustained because there hasn't been adequate watering. There's been many good moves of God, but they were never sustained because the watering process was not in place. We have to be watered on a daily basis. We have to have refreshing. We we see that the water is a type of the Word, but water is also a type of the Spirit as well. We don't need to be dry. We need to be watered. We need to have an oasis. You ever seen someone's yard... It looks nice, and you have someone that's really nice, and then right next to it, there's sticks and weeds. It's because they didn't water it. And the only thing that a weed is is a place there was no seed. So as you, you put those word seeds in your life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to push out all those weeds that, that, are, that are trying to choke the life out of you. And as you water, what's going to happen? It's going to grow, grow, grow. Who's ever fertilized their grass, and then you watered it, and then you're cutting your grass three times a week. <laughs> you're like, man, I got to cut back on that. You're like, I don't care how good it looks. I'm not going to cut my grass three times a week. And so people have stopped growing many times also because they've removed themselves from the watering process. What does that look like? I don't need to go to church. You know, I don't need to go. I, me and the Lord, we just, we're all we're all right. You know, I'm I'm okay. That's the famous last words of someone going down. That's the last words you hear in a ship going down. I'm okay. Everything's okay. Jesus said, no, they're not okay. Why? You're blind, miserable, naked, and all these things. And so, where was I? People say things like, I don't need to go to church. I can be a successful Christian at home. Meanwhile, what's happening? They're just drying up on the vine. So we're supposed to be a thriving garden of the Lord, an oasis in a dry land. But only if you're hooked up to the supply. Only if you're hooked up to the supply. Hallelujah. Turn over to Psalm 92. We'll finish over here. Psalm 92. You know, when you follow the Lord and you're close to Him, the book of boring shall never be your life. (laughs) I never use the words bored. Mainly because when I was in Bible school, I heard uh, one of my instructors say this, and it stuck with me, and I can never get away from it. He said, as a believer, he said, if you're bored... He said, then something's not right with you spiritually. Well, that was enough for me. And um, things are not right if, if you're bored. Why? Because if you're, if you're just bored, then your fellowship is not right. Your fellowship with the Lord's not right. Not to condemn people, but that's just the way it is. I have, if I have living communion with Him every day, then what's going to happen? I'm fellowshipping with the creator of the universe. The book of boring should not be my life. But look at Psalm 92. He says in verse 10, But by horn you shall anoint, exalt like the horn of a unicorn. See, this, this, look at the last part. This is how we can live a life fervent in the Spirit. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Do you know that every day, we don't, we don't walk by feelings, but every day we should be anointed with fresh oil. Before you leave the house, you, I, don't, I don't know what your routine is, but you need to have something to where, before you leave the house, you have your mind on the Lord, that you're, you're in a zone. Some kind of, you're in the zone. You, you, you know, hey, my mind's on the Lord first thing. The first thing I do is, me personally, I go and read a certain verse. And, you know, as you walk with the Lord, it may be different next year. It may be different. I mean, Smith the Wigglesworth, he got up and he, he danced before the Lord at 4 a.m. Our pastor said he did that. He said he stayed up for a little while, he prayed a little bit, and then he woke up at 11 a.m. And it just didn't work because that was what was real to Smith the Wigglesworth. It wasn't real, real to him. So you have to do what's real with you. But every day, even as you, even as you are in the shower, and the water comes down on your head. Say, Lord, just as this water is coming over my body, I receive a fresh anointing today. I receive your presence. You know what the anointing does? It pushes back the enemy. The anointing, as we saw it, earlier, it's for a purpose. But what happened with Saul when he was backslid? He called for David. He played the harp. And he played this instrument that that was anointed of God, David was anointed, and so whatever instrument he was going to play, the Bible says that as he played, Saul was refreshed. And it said the evil spirit departed from him. Blew the devil right off of him. Yeah. Amen. And so that's what anointed worship can do. It, it said he was refreshed. What's refreshed different than being burnt out? What's refreshed... It's different than being perplexed yeah. and distressed yeah. and just confused. See, all that's the enemy. That's why in His presence is fullness of joy. In His light, we see light, the Bible says. So as I stand in the light of God, and all of a sudden, all the confusion goes away. As I stand in His presence, yeah. as I wait in His presence, that's why the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Yeah. Wait on the Lord. You're going to renew your strength. Hallelujah. Just hold your place right there. The Bible says in in Psalm 31, 24, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. 32, 11 says, Be glad of the Lord, and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy. Notice sometimes you have to shout for joy. Joy just doesn't fall on you. It's like one person said, you know what? I had this problem, and, and I, I couldn't get rid of it. And, and I just, I, I, I tried to confess it out, and I couldn't get it out. I, I tried to speak it out. I couldn't speak it out. But all of a sudden, I just had to get the shout out. I had to shout it out. Yeah. It's like a commercial. You just have to shout it out. So what's we'll, we'll shout it out? Lord, I just praise you today. No, you have to shout it out. You have to praise and worship him. So he says, my eye also shall see my desire of my enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Why is it important to be planted in God and in his His church? Because you're going to flourish in the courts of our God. You're going to still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So what does that mean? I need to be planted in the house of God. I'm going to still bring forth fruit all the days of my life. Psalm 42.1 says As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My, th- my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So in our life, to be fervent spirit, what does that mean? That we are following Jesus close. I'm not going to follow him like like Peter did. It's the only time that Peter got in trouble, he started following Jesus far off. He denied Jesus. But, but you have to be so close to Jesus, if he stops it, your nose just brats into the back of his back. And you just... You're like, oh, Jesus, my nose. That's how close you have to be to him. So my soul thirsts after the Lord. And 2 Timothy 1, you can just write that down. The Bible says, he says, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. We talked about this a couple Wednesday nights ago. You stir up the gift of God. Notice it's not, have your brother stir that up. Timothy, um, have the church lay hands on you again. No, he says, I'll put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. You have to be your own best cheerleader. You, you have to have the eye of the tiger yourself. You can't make somebody give you the eye of the tiger. You have to have it. You, you have to come out and saying, you know, I, I, I'm going to fight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Because in the long run, you know, no one cares more about your life than you do. Pastor, just fight my battles for me. You have to fight your own battles because you're going to have the victory. Now I can pray with you. I can pray that God would do that, but you have to stand up on the inside. You have to stand up on the inside. You know what? You know it's like the it's like little Johnny. You know he was he was naughty, and so he he did something, and the teacher said, Johnny, I want you to go stand in the corner. He says, okay. But teacher, I'm gonna let you know, I might be standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. You know, a lot of a lot of believers are like that. If they think you're you think that they're with you, but they're sitting down on the inside. Amen. You have to stand up on the outside and the inside. Amen. It's like the man that that needed healing. It, what, and what Jesus had to say: stand upright on your feet. Well, you had to get the man to stand upright on the inside first. Before he's ever going to stay on the outside. Hallelujah. So we have an opportunity today. To be fervent in spirit. To stir ourselves up. And that, that's what it boils down to. Stir yourself up to pray today. Stir yourself up to read your Bible. Stir, I, I, Pastor I can't read the whole Bible. Just start with one chapter like we do every day. Amen. Monday through Friday. Just read that chapter. Just begin to pray. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in tongues. I'll just tell you this. The other day, I love to pray in in the other tongues. But sometimes you can just get to a place where you just get a little rusty if you don't practice all the time. Not that I forget how to pray, but I'm just saying, I pray in tongues daily, but where you spend a considerable amount of time praying. And so... I heard a woman of God say this one time. She said, pray to pray. You're like, pray to pray? What does that mean? <laughs> pray to pray, okay. But when you start praying, and I think I prayed in tongues for a couple of hours, once you pray a couple of hours, then you're really primed up. Then now you can really pray. But if you try to just pray and you're all dry, that's why things don't work, because people are dry. They need to be filled with the Spirit. That way when they make their confession, Boom. Something happens when when they when they're fervent in spirit. Boom! They they say this and it happens. They decree a thing; it shall happen. Why? Because they're filled up. They're full and running over. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah! Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your mighty word. We thank you, Lord, that we can be fervent in spirit today. Father, that the choice is ours. And I thank you for it, Lord, that we choose today to be fervent in spirit. As we do, Lord, great things happen. That's the way we're supposed to serve you. And Lord, we just look on the inside and we ask you, Lord, to do a deep work on each one of our hearts. Lord, not me to look at my brother or sister, but Lord, me to look at myself and say, Lord, I need to change. I need to have more of you in my life. May every person have that same conviction today. In Jesus' name.